0: Your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to a Thursday of Lacrosse Talk PM, 608 785 7914. I don't know why I'm singing that, but I guess I am. Deb McGrath is on with me. We brought our political science expert, our. Uh, our gerrymandered maps. No, I'm just kidding, <laughs> but but she is on with me. Demograph is running for Congress. She's running for the U.S. House of Representatives. She's representing. She wants to represent the Third Congressional District. I don't. I you know. And we have Deb. We have some breaking news that you you kind of broke. I think you. I don't know how you broke this news, but you you, you did. Uh, You did with me on the phone anyway, two minutes before the show. Um, The Supreme Court in Wisconsin has ruled that it is going to take Governor Tony Evers' maps instead of the couple of different versions. There's a bunch of different versions, but the Supreme Court in a 4-3 decision ruled that it's going to... You finally have maps. You're running for Congress. You're trying to take Ron Kine's seat, Ron Kine's retiring. You finally know who's in your district, perhaps, right?
1: Rick, you're right. I think that everybody in Wisconsin has been waiting for these maps. Um, and so you know this is beauty is in the, in the eye of the beholder, right? but it's always it's always just good to know. Um, and so like you, we are still learning more about what the district lines are going to be, which cities will be included. Uh, but this does seem to be good news for Wisconsin voters that they took the, the governor's maps. Yeah, it could have been worse, right?
0: Like, well, yeah, and what's what's kind of funny about this is that like Democrats might still take these maps to uh, higher court, to a federal court, and maybe even the the U.S. Supreme Court. I I don't know if the I think maybe the U.S. Supreme Court said no, we're done with this. You guys figure it out. But mm-hmm. uh, it, it is kind of funny. Hey, we're taking Governor Evers' maps, but also we're going to take Governor Evers' maps to courts too. And why we're doing that is, I believe, I'm just—we uh, don't have a ton of information at this point, but I believe the Wisconsin Supreme Court, before the map-making process began, where they were good, hey, we'll accept everyone's maps, and then decide—they uh, they really put some hindrances on moving populations around, which wasn't the case a decade ago when the populations really got moved around and. Right. Uh, you know, most experts say the, the state has been rigged for Democrats, gerrymandered for Democrat or for Republicans oh, well, over the last decade.
1: Right. Well, it'll be that is inter- that you 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 hit the nail on the head there, Rick. That you know, ten years ago was the real problem with the gerrymandering, and so when when to, to well, from what we know, of course, that this, the the Supreme Court said we're going to look at least change and we're going to look at maps within the least change and so when we're looking at what we've got all right so of, of the maps of least change um, and, and look at okay maybe there's still it still has a, the scope of gerrymandered from gerrymandering from 10 11 years ago now um, at least it is it's not worse than what we had before yeah so it does yeah. not and it certainly does not change the reason that I'm in the race um, you know when I look at this you know, we can. I was glad to be able to talk. We were going to be talking about what, was, you know, what was the Russia Ukraine crisis. We were going to talk about later in the hour um, when this came across our, you know, came across hey, my cell phone hey, And so, hey Deb, walked, Deb, we got to talk to Rick.
0: Deb, leave this. Uh, leave the show teases to me, okay?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, but yeah. So, so the one thing I want to say is, that one of the Republican drawn maps, and this isn't. It would be more interesting if I was doing a radio show out of Stevens Point, where I graduated from college. Um, mm. but the, the, one of the versions of their maps moved, uh, back, uh, t- 10, 12 years ago, they moved Stevens point into the third congressional yes. district and then, right. and their version of the maps now moved Stevens point back into the seventh, it'd be Tom Tiffany's district right now, I believe the seventh district, uh, just because like, Hey, it looks like, uh, we got to get liberal Stevens point out of the third congressional district to solidify, uh, another, another gerrymandered district in Wisconsin for Republicans.
1: Well, Rick, I t- tell you, I think because this is so new, I think we probably have to look at those maps. I, I looked at them very briefly, but it does look like set the, much of Stevens Point will still be in the third. So again, I think we're going to have to I'm going to have to study these more, um, and that we might have to be able to talk about that in our time. But we we love Stevens Point, right? So, <laughs> so that is a that is uh, so that will that'll be a very interesting part of it. But it does look like it could it could at least be moving the needle a little bit for Democrats, which is helpful.
0: Yeah, Stevens Point uh, won't be moved. It was going to, if they if they would have accepted a Republican map, Stevens Point would have moved districts again, yes. so the second time in a row. Yes. Uh, so they, they, they stay in the third congressional. I will say this too, Deb, every time I talk about this, the third congressional district is, I believe, the only district in Wisconsin that's kind of up for grabs between Democrats and Republicans. Oh, yeah. And, oh yes. yes, And and the idea of moving Stevens Point out in or out of the district seems ludicrous. Also, it seems ludicrous that Lacrosse and Stevens Point and Eau Claire and UW Stout are all in the same district. Like it just kind of—I call it the bicep. So there's uh, the district yes. is over here in Western Wisconsin, and then the bicep—the hand of the bicep—moves over and grabs Stevens Point, but misses all the like rural areas in between.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm I'm really identifying with that bicep. Because, of course, my motto has been strength for Wisconsin, and that I'm fighting for Wisconsin. So I'm really identifying with that bicep. And, and, I, and I, you know, you hit – that was exactly what – this is the only open seat that, Rick, that is the biggest thing about the third, is that all the other seats have been safe. Uh, we certainly have – you know, it's wonderful, uh, Congresswoman Moore in Milwaukee and Congressman Pocan in Madison – you know, representing those districts. And then the other five are solid Republicans. And we have got to keep this, the third, for Democrats. Or we will not be able to take, get our fair share out of Congress. There is When you look at the numbers, two out of eight, or three out of eight, just to get people into committees and to have influence in Congress, we need to keep a Democrat in this seat, Need somebody with principled leadership in this seat.
0: And I will say, a Democrat, she's one of, I believe it's still five. I could be wrong, but I think it's still five other Democrats running in a primary to uh, to take on the Republican nominee. And I believe it's just, it's just one Republican. They're not throwing any other people in the race, which I think is a I – th- I feel like we should – in an open seat for Congress, uh, to get the best person to represent us, I feel like we should have more than one candidate in each seat or in, in each party to run for an open seat.
1: Well, of course the Democrats and the Republicans are really, you know, we as Democrats really approach this in in such a different way um and that we, you know, we're giving people a clear, you know, there's a lot of clear choice in terms of profiles here. And uh and yet the Republicans have, you know, these the Republicans are already Trump endorsed. And so what does that say about the Republican party there, you know, is that is that no nobody else dare uh speak up, uh, you know, or or tr- even attempt this? Um, and so we tend, we're we tending to look at this in a very different way for the primary. And I, I believe the process is, is what is most important here.
0: Deb McGrath, coming back, uh, we're going to talk about the Ukraine-Russia crisis. We spent a mm-hmm. lot of time with Keith Knutson, Viterbo history and political science professor on this. Keith also lived in Russia for a little while. I think he visited mm-hmm. Russia. I don't know if he lived there. But back in like 1988. Um, we'll get into this, though. But Deb has uh, 25 years of national security experience in the Army and the CIA, uh, she's lived in Russia for five years, served in Central Europe as well in the in the Army or yeah, in the Army, there it is. I read it. I'm reading it without comprehending them. um and you've you've uh, you've fought tyranny, you've fought terrorism, you've attended the u s war college where you've you've learned a lot a lot about conflict and and you're gonna enlighten us, I think, a little bit about Ukraine. I'm excited to hear about it. All right, welcome back to lacrosse talk pm six zero eight. Seven eight five seven nine one four 785-7914 is the talk and text line. Deb McGrath is on with me. She's running for Congress in the 3rd Congressional District right here. We always say Congress, Deb, and it bugs me because Congress is Congress. You're running for a U.S. House of Representatives seat. Uh, so, but That's it's, right. But it's a mouthful. It's not as, as easy to say as Congress.
1: You're right. Or Senate. Right. One word. Yeah, just it, running my, for Senate. My dad used to say that, um, the, that you know, the House of Representatives was that, that, that just the very fact that you say representative reminds people of what you're doing, why you're there, because you're representing the people.
0: Yeah, definitely. So, and you know what? We're not going to do a whole lot of uh, you know, Well, – I'll try to get some third congressional talk in, but, you know, we tried to do this yesterday. I brought Keith in. We did Ukraine, Russia, and then we never got to uh, anything else. Because so. it's so it's, – it, it, it's so uh, – it's confusing to me and first thing i'll, I'll just ask you i just asked keith yesterday and he went on a diatribe and i don't know if we ever got to the bottom of it but why is russia invading ukraine and i will say before i get into anything um you have a lot of experience in this in the army and the cia right you can you can kind of understand what's going on right you're you're a pretty good expert in this situation right as, as good as anyone
1: well well rick thank you i i will tell you that even after living in russia for 5 years living in central europe for even a whole lot more than that um and and serving both in the army and uh and in the cia and and, and studying this i i will tell you that people who call themselves experts they're, they're there's boy there are some people who study 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 these things and i will always uh defer that there are even people who have more expertise than me but I have lived it, and I and this is very deeply personal to me because, um, you know, I what we've talked about before. You care about the people in every country. It's the governments that are that are making is is making such a huge mistake here. So, Rick, when you asked me why is Russia invading, I I tell you not to get into Putin's head, uh, but to me, he doesn't want a stable democracy next door. He 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 does not want to have NATO. Uh, in you know, in his backyard, he is trying to keep that barrier, and he's and he re- for years and years, he has been stewing over this the lack of that the 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 USSR broke up that it had had you know all of this vast empire, and he you know he wants it back, um, and he has been trying needling and and uh, you know, take blocking. Uh, fuel and making life difficult for many many nations around him so that i believe that 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 is a simple part of it but when i look at why and he says what he's doing it's this is a sovereign nation there is no justifiable reason this is unprovoked there is no justification this is unrighteous what he has done there is there's no good reason
0: uh did this does this did this Things start with Crimea years ago, and it's just this, this is a continuation of it. He just like, but it, it comes years later.
1: You know, I I think that this would even go. If this you know, this can even go back to uh, you know, say Chechnya. This can go back to you know, this. It, it certainly goes back to Crimea. It certainly goes back to to you know, when, when he has been trying and trying to get back every single inch of land and influence that he can, uh, but that. That The line isn't—it's in, in his own mind that this is not—that there's no rational reasons to do this. It is just trying—it's hegemony. Yes yeah, is just aggression.
0: It's not like he was in power when the Soviet Union broke up. I think he was maybe in the KGB at that time. Uh, yes. So, but he's just—it's is this guy, it's weird. It sounds like you're saying he's just relive, trying to relive the glory days.
1: Yes, Rick. You know, there's been a lot of my time spent trying to figure out what is his mindset. And this is a tyrant. This is an autocrat. This is, you know, this is someone who he's not any longer a rational actor. He is not. You know, when we look at, you know, great power competition. You know, look at what drives, countries. We, you know, we learn fear, honor, interest. There, there isn't any of this left in him. He is a cold-hearted. Not even though he's not a
0: leader, he's a tyrant. Um, does anybody, so sometimes I see some news that looks like it's a leak out of Russia, like out of maybe mm-hmm. Putin's inner circle. Uh, some I feel like a lot of people would be afraid of Putin if they were caught doing that, more so than if they we saw a lot of, it seemed like we saw a lot of leaks under the Trump administration Um, Well, you're not. I don't believe you're going to get hanged for uh, leaks out of the Trump administration. I feel like maybe in Russia something nefarious would happen to you if you were caught leaking stuff. Are are, when you see a leak coming out of maybe Putin's inner circle? Is that maybe Putin doing that intentionally to make himself, uh, you know, look? I don't know. Is is it manipulation somehow?
1: So, Rick, those you've brought up a very important point. I think there's two kinds of information coming out of the Kremlin that it. Certainly things that and and this brings up another great point about what the influence of intelligence has been it's unprecedented when we talk about leaks and uh, and also good in good use of intelligence so first, I would like to say that you know, what has been amazing what is very new to this whole sphere of influence is the use of intelligence and the sharing that has been going on between the United States and LA allies, and of course with Ukraine, to influence diplomacy, to influence military and economic action, and that and that it, what what one nation may get, they're sharing it to, and that they're releasing it so that. Who knows they know who we know and that you know for instance when he said oh you know I'm actually pulling back you know, from from you know and no you know within twelve hours we said no now wait a minute no we know you're not we see what you're doing so there's those there's that kind of use of intelligence that has been really really good and those are not nece- that's not necessarily leaks those are intentional uses to to show our power and to show our reach and that he he is undermined and to show him that th- that there are there are leaks within his sp- sphere and that not everybody is for him so that he can he's already a paranoid person you can see he's sp- sitting 30 feet away from people you know and he's you know paranoid about covid he's paranoid he's all in as a KGB officer he's paranoid about trust and so you're right it can be it's a very tough thing to live in russia right now but whether it is also unprecedented the way that people can get information out, and people are they there are patriots in in that country too, people who do not like what he's doing, even within his own circle. Probably we don't, you know, who knows where this is coming from, but people don't, you know, they they know that this is wrong and they want to try to help make a difference so that's the old-fashioned kind of intelligence and yes you're right sometimes it can be intentional or some you know that it, sometimes it can be absolutely for patriotic reasons
0: we're speaking to with trying to help we're speaking with deb mcgrath she's got 25 years of national security experience in the army and the cia she's running for congress here in the third congressional district uh, one of five Democrats looking to replace Ron Kind, who's announced, you know, a while ago that he was retiring after uh, 13 terms, I believe. Deb, uh, do you watch any of the Jack Ryan TV shows or movies? Jack Ryan works yeah. for the CIA. Yeah. How do you yeah. roll your eyes when you watch those shows? I watch all yeah. I've seen every Jack Ryan show there is. I love them. But, uh, you know, like my, I have uh, I have Navy and Air Force friends that watch Top Gun and go, that's ridiculous. Don't even watch that. <laughs> um, but what about Jack Ryan in the in the CIA I- movies?
1: I I did so. We you know sometimes I do love Jack Ryan. I, I have to tell you, I really did enjoy the Jack Ryan show too. But um, and sure, he can ride his bicycle up to the front door of the CIA, but there's not a bike rack there. <laughs> <laughs> does that. Um, And but he does, and it's not and it's not usual that you're at a that uh, you're at a uh, for instance a cocktail party and uh, they are flying a plane to pick you up and
0: take you say to Libya. Oh yeah, they um, they, you know, they, and, they drop and, a helicopter. So they drop a helicopter in the backyard to pick you up at a, at right. somebody's wedding reception right. or well, something. Then, that doesn't happen. You never that never happened to you. No, no, no unbelievable. No, but
1: our capabilities, our capabilities are mighty. Which I did, I do love the parts about um, so sort of the cyber intelligence and the and the uh, the metrics and the targeting and things that go on. Um, I think that that's wonderful that people can see the reach. That that you know the government you know that for the right reasons to try to track terrorism you know to try to to try to in fact you know track you know dark money illicit funding of money um so th- so so those, I do find it an enjoyable show, but it's not exactly.
0: True. No, of course not. Um, yeah, and you you talk about money. I want to get into oligarchs in a, in a little bit. I, I wonder if we have any uh, American oligarchs. Should we just call call the billionaires or oligarchs? But when you work in the CIA, the Army, I can kind of understand a little bit. Do you? When you get to the CIA office, do you have to punch a clock? Are you punching in?
1: <laughs> well, no. We, you know, there's there's a lot of badging that goes on. Of course, I, you know, can't no you. We've talked about this before. No sources and methods, Rick. We can, you you ask great questions, and I'm always going to stay on the right side of this. But I tell you, in our line of work, people are tireless. There is no we, – we're not counting hours. Um, we're counting the amount of work that we – you know, it's what work needs to be done. So uh, I'll tell you, when I – the work that I did, the, just like when you have a passion for something, the hours slip away. And that's what I found about my colleagues is that um, – is that you worked to for mission accomplishment you worked to, to because as, as we were waking up and getting to work there were people you know across the world who were waiting you know to to talk so that we could you know get something done Or if I, certainly I was overseas many hours saying okay you know they'll be in or calling them and saying oh, listen you need to get in early i got to talk to you so i would say it's it's a round the clock enterprise and uh you know many there's there's somebody always up
0: um, is it is it what turns your hair gray? CIA or the army?
1: <laughs> well, um, my kids would say it's them who turned my hair gray, <laughs> um, and uh, and that, that was you know probably you know all that fun stuff I had when, when water skiing and, you know when I probably shouldn't have been things like anyway. Um, I uh, I am very proud of every gray hair on my head because it's full of great experiences.
0: Yeah, you don't don't be doing water. We, we we learned from Tommy Thompson, we shouldn't be doing water skiing after maybe I think I feel like forty is the the max. Once you hit forty, <laughs> you know more water. No, I'm just kidding. Um, all right, that's McGrath. That's demograph. We're going to continue talking about Ukraine, Russia when we come back. Scott's comment coming up. Brad doing the news after that. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four. Demograph is on with us. She's running for the 3rd Congressional District. She's running in the 3rd Congressional District, the U.S. House of Representatives, trying to replace Ron Kind. She's one of five Democrats doing so. We're not even really talking about any of that right now because she used to work for the CIA. She used to work for the Army. Uh, she loves Jack Ryan. So we're going to talk about Ukraine-Russia uh, no, do do we have the two spies where the Russian spy and Jack Ryan, the American spy, get together in a in a nice little grassy park and, and talk secrets? Is that how that works, Deb?
1: <laughs> you know, that's yeah, that's certainly that's only great for the films. But you know the the what we what we always want to do is be listening and pe- treating people with respect from our side. Is that we will always want um, to, to when there's people who want. To help uh, their own country to be a better I, I know it sounds um, you know like I'm waving the flag but it's true that we'll, you will always try to meet people where they are to help make the world a safer place and so you there are people who will do you know you risk your life to try to make the world a safer place
0: um, all right I want to talk about sanctions a little bit i don't I don't fully understand sanctions I guess the the ruble the the currency they use in Russia is almost worthless it's dropped a, a huge percentages in the last year and especially in the last probably a couple of the last week really um sanctions seem to me to really just hurt people like me in russia uh what are what are the can you explain the point of sanctions because the going after the people that that are going to have a hard time getting food and you see lines at the atm now in russia trying to get their money out um that it, it doesn't seem like the the uh, a stra- what, like what it, we put the people in a desperate situation that they try to overthrow the government. I don't. Can you explain it?
1: Yeah, sure, Rick. Um, so when you look at when you look at those lines in Ukraine, remember that you know look at the lines for people looking for money or looking for you know look for fuel to try to get out to, for their running for their safety. Try and and trains being overfilled so that they could get out to go to Poland, to go to, you know, get to safety. Um, so when you look at a, a, an unjustified, you know, action, Russia's action on Ukraine, um, that that is where we really, that's, that's, it's terrible. So when you look at people lining up to get money in Russia, they're not being bombed they're not being you know they're not they're not fearing for their lives right now mm-hmm. so but so when you look at sanctions and it's in it's less yes it it's going to hurt the russian people so that they will say no this is not this is not our war it is not what this is not what we wanted you know i i can i can tell you i when i lived in russia i went um i went to go by Groceries for my family—it cost a lot of money. It was, and it, to get a red pepper, it was like five this years ago, twenty years ago. Red pepper cost twenty dollars. Nobody could afford a red pepper it was and an, of middle income. And I saw an older woman; she was selling part. It was, it was ten below. It was cold, and she was selling her parsley, selling, and, and it was of course frozen and dead in her hands. And I and I gave her some money. I clasped it in her hands, and, and she, and she was so sad. This. That is the kind of tyranny that they are living under. They, that ruler, that doesn't, I'm not calling him a leader, because he doesn't care about his people. He doesn't care. So when sanctions, we have to, when we talk about sanctions, the big-level sanctions are making a difference in the leadership, because the, the oligarchs, as you talked about, the, those people, are no, they no longer have access to their money. We're not letting them fly into America. It is all of a sudden affecting their lives. So it's not just Putin. It's people around him who could, who could possibly influence him. And it's a fact that, you know, we're going to cut off their exports and imports so that they, that their manufacturing stalls, so that their engines aren't, you know, that they're not working. They're not getting in the goods from, from us that they used to. Their grain is not going out. They'll, it'll be sitting there. So we have, to, it has to hurt. It has to hurt their government for him to 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 make a decision. Um, he, so, Wait. Rick, it, yes, it is. It all it's, it has to permeate society.
0: Well, you brought up oligarchs, and we brought it up a little earlier. I wanted to talk about it. The, we, we I feel like we have oligarchs here. It's not like uh, we don't have people contributing a tons of amounts of money to our government, and then they're making policy decisions. But over there, there's also that, and it's it, it, it's viewed a little bit differently, but I've read a lot of stories. I don't know why it's always yachts. Apparently, all these guys have yachts, uh, and they're all guys. Mm-hmm. And uh, that we're, we're, I, I've read some other countries are seizing oligarchs' yachts, uh, Russian oligarchs' yachts and, and homes. And uh, there's talk about, like, should the U.S. do that? Do you have any opinion on... Um, you know, people, uh, Russian assets. I guess Russian, Russian oligarchs that that are living here in the country and seizing their their worth uh, for whatever reason.
1: Well, I think it, I think that this it will go down to it, exactly what what is if they have money that they're freezing their assets that they can't use it. So we're not taking it, we're not seizing it. So it's a difference between freezing and seizing. Okay. Um, so we're not taking it; we're freezing it, so they can't use it. Making it a little harder for them, and they can't. Then they can't, you know, escape from it, or they can't just run away and take it somewhere else, uh, because that's what uh, that's a natural reaction for people to do is to just, oh, I'll take this and run away with it. And you know, certainly, you know, the oligarchs. There's, uh, it's when you look at when you look at you know terms that we use in leadership, the oligarchs. And that's when you look at the. They were given their money illegally. They were given opportunity illegally. They didn't just come up and make these, you know, make, a, um, you know, their manufacturing or take their um, great big forests and, and timber them. They were given that. They were given that, you know, from by Putin, given, given those opportunities. They didn't earn it.
0: Well, that's why. Uh, they didn't, that's why, Deb, I say, uh, you know, the ones that are living here from Russia, why don't we just seize their stuff then, since they don't really get it in, a, in the greatest way, right?
1: Well, we have our, you know what, the best thing about our country is that we do have a rule of law. And we're going to follow our rule of law. And so, and and we're taking demonstrated and measured response to, to things. So, uh, we at least have a way of doing things that's reasonable and, and that we can we can speak to as 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 actions that are that can make a difference.
0: We're speaking with Deb McGrath. She's running for the U.S. House of Representatives here in the third congressional district, looking to take Ron seat. Ron Kind has announced uh, months ago that he's retiring after 13 terms in Congress. Uh, Deb's one of five uh, Democrats running in a primary. Um, I, I say all that, and then I forgot what I was going to ask you. But Deb, the the idea that the you know the so I think everyone wants to know if we if we put these sanctions on Russia if we go after the oligarchs who kind of probably have Putin's ear a little bit if we're putting the people in a desperate situation where they start you know looking at what Putin is doing and I think a lot of people are doing that there a lot of people are probably afraid of the consequences of protesting in Russia versus uh sometimes protesting here other times there are consequences but we we start backing this dude in a corner this dude doesn't seem like Um, he's all that, you know, I, some people say he's really smart and calculated. Other people say he might've, he maybe he's lost it over the last couple of years. He's gone a little cuckoo. Uh, but we back this dude into a corner and we, he has obviously a nuclear arsenal. Um, can you, can you talk about that a little bit? And just like, you know, the, obviously it's, it's, it's that it's the, 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 worst of consequences, right?
1: Yes, that, that certainly is. Well, I do think he's not a rational actor as we spoke about before. and that, and that, that the NATO community understands that, that they've, they, so there's calculation. And when you study conflict, you can look at a continuum of, of deterrence and then consequences where you can, you know, you force people into a place. And so, but I, when you talked about there's a couple of other things that are really happening here is that the, the massive amount of assistance that is coming into Ukraine and so that that is another not you've been talking about economic levers but we also have to talk about those military level levers that that NATO is really strengthening its borders and helping trying to help Ukraine and that there's now 6.4 billion in assistance going for military assistance and humanitarian assistance and so that many nations are helping that that sort of way to show the difference to you know because as you discussed they're, I think Putin drastically underestimated the strength of the Ukrainian. Their sense of will, their will, to, their will for it to keep their democracy, and that he, in his conscripts that he that he sent these people to you know he sent his military and now you know now it's not turning out the way that he wanted it to. So I think that there's some more calculations in there, and also the fact that he is a KGB officer at heart, and he understands intelligence. And he's going to be calculating how can he still, you know, how can he still look like he's winning something here. So I think that that's where Macron, you know, the French uh, French president is uh, is continuing to try to dialogue with him. They try. You always try to keep some sort of dialogue open and and there is that is still happening so Rick those I think are the those are the important things that we still need to keep to 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 open up is that the world is still helping ukraine ukraine is still fighting and that there are that we need to give putin an off ramp that he can do you know some way to stop um so that's what we're looking
0: for um, okay, so you mentioned you mentioned the military a little bit there. Obviously, this is a military uh, invasion of Ukraine. Um, and, you know, I saw I saw one video, and I never know what's true or not. There's a convoy; it's ten miles long, twenty miles long. Uh, uh, the The Russian military it's probably a day ago or two. Uh, the Russian military headed to whatever whatever you know strategic location, but they're running out of gas. They're running out of food. Uh, the soldiers yeah. are. And then sometimes I hear the soldiers don't even know what they're doing. Like they're not even informed right. of their mission. They're just kind of, uh, you know, Oh, we're invading Ukraine. We're doing what? And you, uh, I don't know. Um, first off is the, is the military inept there in Russia, or is that something that Russia is trying to make it look like maybe that's Russian propaganda that gets to me and I'm not, you know, I just, it's, it's I never, I can never understand what's real and what's fake anymore.
1: Well, I, you know, we certainly believe that Russia has a has a strong it has a strong military. I think that Putin vastly underestimated the will of its military and his ability to just move them at his at his, at his beckoning. Uh, that that this that the Russian people were behind him, and and this goes you know this goes back to Clausewitz. You have to have the will of the people behind you, and he doesn't have it. He doesn't have it, and so I when I think that the the what we are seeing is what's you know really happening. there has been no free press in Russia since this started they've shut everything down to you know to them it looks like it's all a massive you know it sets all massive success and it's not so I think that you know we we are seeing that there that the Russian military was was not as ready for this as they thought they were going to be. That they're not as strong as they thought they were going to be, and that and so and that this is going to be a much stronger fight than uh, Putin expected.
0: Do you think the military? Did you think Russia over over uh, was overconfident, and then uh, they they've got what they thought they were going to need, and then they the, the re- Ukrainian resolve is so fierce that they're like, oh. Actually, we're gonna we're gonna need to you know because it it doesn't seem like they're using the full might of their military.
1: Well, and and they they can't escalate this too far. I mean, they that, that what's what's interesting to see is that if the escalation is it's still pretty pet. You know, they're trying to you know circling cities and things, and you know, cutting out trying to cut out radio stations, and that's classic sort of Russian playbook, um, but. But what we can't, what you can't have, is escalation beyond escalation, escalation, and because then, then the world, then, then it does turn into something altogether different. And again, he has no reason to be doing this. There is, there is no reason that he is invading. Um, so, I, I am only hoping that the longer this takes, is that the, the, that we can ease it back a, a bit and get him, you know, just get. Some sort of sanctions, more sanctions, and that we can push them back and push them back into some rational, rational discourse.
0: Yeah, because the now is, is the point of of all of this. Is the point of it for Russia to looks to get sympathy, to gain sympathy, and we haven't we haven't tipped that over yet for him. Putin is going to push this until something happens that makes maybe NATO look bad, the U.S. look bad, yeah. some tragedy. That he can point yeah. to and go see the Western world is influencing this. They're manipulating us. It's not us. It's oh, them. Oh,
1: Rick. Yes. Yeah. That is that. You know. That is exactly how his mind works. And what we haven't talked about is all of you know is all the cyber, um, the, you know, cyber uh, threat that, you know, that we face, that he, that was certainly working against him now, that we, you know, that other nations have, you know, begun to target him. And I don't think he expected that, you know, that he would, he himself would be targeted, because that's what he would love to do, is unleash the cyber threat and try to make, that's, that's a lack of deniability there. Oh, wasn't us? Who did this? You know, no, look at that. But um, and that to, to make other countries hurt. And so, what we, you know, what is, what is a beautiful thing is that the allies have been just drawing those walls up and really trying to help the Ukrainians, especially, yeah. you know, by, by bringing in sat phones and things like that, so, you know, for communication and so many other things to help them be on their own capabilities, um, but without stepping in you know that's the yeah. important well that's for, the, the thing
0: how, how amazing is it that the maybe nato the us uh, everybody else even sweden is on the side uh, yeah. uh, the opposite side sweden for crying out loud you know when right. sweden gets it into the good. game right. um how right. amazing is it that we've unified kind of most everybody else i think i think russia has some some uh, sympathizers i think china and afghanistan some other places uh, I don't know if it's Afghanistan or not, but um, but, yeah, we've we've done a pretty good job here being unified and then not tipping the balance here in, in terms of giving Putin something to point to.
1: Right. And even China, even China has not come. You know, they're, they restricted some some exports, too. And so, you know, they're a little tepid there as well. Um, they're not fully supported. They're alone. Russia's alone in this. Um, and that's not a great place to be. So I, I I think that you you are right. The strength is through our unity, and we are even seeing that in our own country. And in a way that you know, Republicans and Democrats have come back. You know, to by and large, have come together. Uh, you know, this is something that neighbors are agreeing on. We need to help Ukraine. This is this is a fundamental right for sovereignty. For you know that a, that a nation's borders are are protected. Um, that this you know, this is. Uh, totally unfair so i think that this is uh you know there's no silver lining in this at all except for us to say look this could happen in the world we need to stick together let's for you know let's the small petty differences can't we work together
0: okay i just got a minute is the end game here that like putin is no longer in power is that like the best case scenario Mm
1: -hmm. well i think that that's up to the that is always up to the russian people yeah that is up to the russian people that is not up to us and that, you know, that there's been a lot of history behind that. Those people need to decide that he they are done with him now and that this is that he is a bad actor, that he should not be representing them, that they're much better as a free democracy.
0: All right, Deb McGrath, uh, twenty five years of national security experience in the Army and the CIA. Running for Congress. She's gotta to get to Stevens Point tomorrow. I think she's gonna head there, yeah. Christian Jones is in her district. <laughs> Good party. Yeah, thanks a lot, Deb, for joining us. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Rick.
0: All right, bye bye. All right, we got to take one more break. We'll be back. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. Just going to wrap up here for a minute. Thank you again to Deb McGrath for joining us and talking again two days in a row. Ukraine, Russia. I don't know if we'll be able. We'll see. I don't. I don't think uh, we'll be talking about it a whole lot tomorrow with you to be lacrosse political science professor, Doctor Anthony Chagosky. Uh The maps came out. Uh, the maps they they didn't come out, but they. They've been out, but the uh, US, the Wisconsin Supreme Court voted uh, to take, voted, uh, ruled. They ruled to take Wisconsin Governor Tony Evers' maps instead of the other versions out there. Uh, pretty big news.